as you listen to sermons on Sunday morning, there are times when the message is uplifting and encouraging and comforting, like last week. And there are times when the message is challenging, in your face, makes you mad, never want to go to that church again, like this week. You know, I don't try to balance the encouraging with the exhorting. I don't, I don't think, I don't study each week thinking, okay, I need to make it encouraging or exhorting. I just go with whatever I got. What I mean by that is we go through books, whatever comes up, it's what you get. And that's the way we do things. That way I keep my opinions and my inclinations out of it. What you get is what the Word wants to give you and what God wants to give you today. And so before we dive into His Word today, let's, let's go ahead and pray together. Father, You have created us. Therefore, You know exactly what we need. You know what we need, needed last week. You know what we need this week. And if we're here for another week, you'll know what we need next week. Your word speaks, and I just ask if we have any hesitancies or any blocks up, that you would break those down. Father, you know there's a lot of challenges in in our lives, and some of us are dealing with a variety of sufferings, um, some unknowns, some difficulties. We pray for those in our midst. We pray for um, Pat and Kelly Roshlow as they continue to love their daughter, Molly, who has been in the hospital the last 24 hours. Thank you that by God's grace, she's going to be out soon, that you are healing her and having mercy on her. We know that there are those in our midst who are suffering. And I just ask that you would bring healing and much grace to their bodies, their relationships. And I do want to pray for those in here who are suffering emotionally, maybe depressed. May you encourage them today, even through a hard word, May you encourage them, awaken them to your truth. And as we gather and get in your word, may you awaken us all. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Due to the transitional nature of our church and the variety of age ranges, there is a a common question that is asked, and we have seen it asked uh, many times this summer as we have been studying this particular book. And the question is this. What is God's will for my life? Everyone has asked that question at one time or another, and that seems to be a theme that we talk about a lot at EBF. There have been a variety of books written on the topic. But I, this morning, want to spend most of my time offering a caution. When you're asking God, what is your will for my life, I want to caution you a bit. So let's all get on the same page. We agree that God is not Santa Claus. We don't treat God like Santa Claus. You didn't show up here to church. You're not trying to be a nice person, read your Bible, pray, because God is going to distribute his gifts if you're a good boy or a good girl. Don't we all agree, theologically, we should not view God as Santa Claus. Now, let's bring it back to this topic of the will of God. I hope 
that you're not treating God like Santa Claus as you're trying to discover the will of God, that you're not showing up here to church, that you're not making your prayer time and your time in the word, because if you go through the right motions, then God may reveal his will to you. And once he reveals his will to you like a good Santa Claus, then you will move on with the rest of your life. We would all agree we should not be doing that as we want stuff from God. We should also not be doing that as we want God to show us his will. He's not Santa Claus, period. So let me ask you an important question. Are you coming to God to get the plan? Or are you coming to God to get God? Yes, God gives wisdom. God gives input. God gives insight. And we should seek him for that. But the end goal of your relationship with God is not the plan, but to know God better. And I'm hoping that if you've been turning your relationship with God into plan seeking rather than relationship seeking to know him more, to to get into a deeper relationship with him, that he would reveal your heart this morning, that you're kind of just in this relationship for yourself, and it's kind of one-sided, kind of what you can get out of it, because you're not really interested in God. You're just interested in knowing what the plan is. May God reveal your heart. This morning, we're going to look and turn to 1 Samuel 28, and we're going to look at King Saul once again. uh, As he, in this chapter, he turns to God to get the plan. He doesn't want God at all. And when God doesn't reveal the plan to him, he goes in search of the answers elsewhere. And what we're going to see in this passage, we're going to see the true heart of Saul. God's going to reveal his heart. And I'm hoping that God will reveal your heart as well. So let's go ahead and jump in. I know that some of you have not been with us this most of the first Samuel. This may be new to you. I'm trying to see if I can find points of connection with you to understand what's happening. We're at the very end of 1 Samuel. It's almost done, um, and we're going to start with verse 1. So 1 Samuel 28, 1. In those days, the Philistines gathered their forces for war to fight against Israel. And Achish said to David, Understand that you and your men are to go out with me in the army. David said to Achish, very well, you shall know what your servant can do. And Achish said to David, very well, I will make you my bodyguard for life. Don't get too caught up in this. (laughs) We talked about this last week. David is on the side of the enemy right now. Long story. Listen to last week's sermon if you want more information. But the Philistines are gathered to fight against Israel. Last week, we saw David's perspective as he's on the side of the Philistines. This week, we're going to see the predicament of Saul as the Philistines are coming against him and against the Israelites. Pick up the story as it cuts away to King Saul's reaction in verse 3. Now Samuel had died, and all Israel had mourned for him and buried him in Ramah his own city. And Saul had put the mediums and the necromancers out of the land. We are reminded once again that Samuel is dead. If you don't know who Samuel is, he was a great priest and prophet. He was the one that spoke the word of God to the reigning king, which was Saul at the time. 
So Samuel would speak the word of the Lord to Saul, but God cuts Saul off, and he stops speaking to Saul because Saul disobeyed. So God cut him off from divine revelation. So no longer is Samuel advising Saul, but we are told that Samuel is dead. And speaking of the dead, all those who consult the dead have been kicked out of the land. The mediums and the necromancers have been put out of the land. You may think that is the most random thing to insert in the text, that Samuel's dead. Oh, by the way, Saul kicked out the mediums and the necromancers, those who consulted it. Like, why would you tell us that story? Because of what lies ahead. This is going to get really, really interesting. Verse 4. The Philistines assembled and came and encamped at Shunem. And Saul gathered all Israel, and they encamped at Geboah. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart trembled greatly. So the Philistines are pressing in hard, and Saul is very much afraid and trembling. He needs direction from the Lord. Verse 6. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams or by Urim or by prophets. Saul feels pressed. He goes to the Lord, but the Lord gives him nothing. God is completely silent. God did not speak to him through dreams. God did not speak to him through the Urim, which was something that an instrument that the, that the priest would use to seek God's direction. And God did not speak to Saul through the prophets. Saul had no word from the Lord. God is silent. The question you want to ask is, if you, especially if you haven't been with us, is why is God being so mean? Saul's the king. He wants to know what to do. And God's not answering him. Why is God not answering King Saul? And the answer is because Saul just wants the plan. He does not want God. Saul just wants the plan. He does not want God. He is not walking with God in any way, shape, or form. Some have called his prayer like a foxhole prayer or a prayer that one would pray desperate during wartime. Or maybe he's a little more superstitious prayer that God will come through and, and help him out. Either way, God is not speaking to Saul. In the past, God spoke to Saul through the prophets, specifically the prophet Samuel. But Saul disobeyed, so God cut him off. Saul was supposed to kill the evil Amalekites, and spare none. Saul disobeyed and did the things against the Lord, and so God did not speak to him any longer. In fact, there, there was a time in the chapter 22 where Saul killed just about all the priests, killed almost every single last one of them. The priests were supposed to speak the word of God. Saul kills just about all of them. So let's put it all together. Saul disobeyed God's voice. He even cut off God's voice by killing the priest. And now, in desperation, he wants God to speak to him. Is it clear to you that Saul doesn't want the plan? Uh, he, he, he doesn't want God. He just wants the plan. And so I, I, if I could think of Saul, he, he'd be like one of those, uh, you, you know the people, you know the type. I hope it's not you. Uh, the, the networking type, they, they go to parties because they want to network. 
They want to, that's not you, right? They go to parties, they're networking, they want to make these connections with people, they want to see if they can get the right end, they can find the right plan. They're not interested in a relationship. They have an agenda, and they're interested in a plan, hopefully furthering their career. And so I want, to, I want you to think through your life and your relationship to God. Let's be totally honest. If you came here this morning and you don't want to be honest with what's going on, it's kind of a waste of time to be here. So let's be totally honest about what's going inside. Here we go. Do you approach God for God? Or do you approach God just when you want God to give you his plan? Now, of course, he's overflowing with wisdom and discernment. But that comes in a context of a relationship. And and I'm just wondering, are, are you trying to network with God? Like you do your quiet time, like, let, God, let's network together. I'm going to come before you, and I want you to make this connection, and you tell me what you want me to do with my life, and once I, I get that, I'm going to go and do my own thing. See, that's not the way God works. God wants to have a relationship with you. Uh, he wants to encourage you. He wants to speak his, his will into your life. He wants to lead you and guide you on his terms and not your term. You, you may have an, an agenda-driven relationship with God, which is not good, but know this, God for sure has an agenda-driven relationship with you. He has an agenda that he wants to impose upon you in a loving way. But when you're coming to him with your agenda, just wanting the plan, then why do you suppose God would lead you and guide you at all? Why do you think he would do that? So I really want you to get at your heart on what's going on when you are approaching God. Are you just approaching him because you want the plan? But you're living your life totally away from him. This can be true even for the believer. I would tell you as a believer, there are times where God will not lead you. He will not guide you. He will not direct you. And there are times where he will be what will seem like very silent in your life. And it will be during those times that you are staying in sin and hiding in sin, even as a believer. Look at this verse. David said in Psalm 66, 18, he said, If I have cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not listen. So there's this idea that if I am holding on to my sin and I'm coming to God, I'm showing up for church and I'm wanting to know the plan that God is not hearing your prayers because you're hiding your sin. Let me speak to the husbands in here. For those of you who are married, there's a passage you're familiar with in 1 Peter that you probably don't like. Uh, 1 Peter 3, 7 says something about husbands. uh, Don't be harsh with your wives. Any husbands harsh with their wives? So if you're being harsh with your wife, if you're dissing your wife, you know what the word of God says? It says that God will not pay attention to your prayers. In fact, your prayers will be hindered. So if you are not being very nice to your wife, being harsh with your wife, and then you show up to church or you have a little quiet time and you say, God, I really want to know what I should do about this, about this, about that. Boom, your, your prayers are just going to bonk up against the ceiling. Your prayers will be hindered because you're coming to God not to have this relationship with God where you can obey his ways. You're just coming to God to get the plan while you diss your wife. That can be across the board as a believer. Are you coming to God because you want him, you want his agenda, 
you want his plan, you want his ways, his word, or are you just forcing yourself to get what you want? Let's continue on with this story. It gets really interesting now. I'm going to be reading some stuff you've probably never heard in church before. So Saul is determined to find a solution no matter the medium. And in this case, the medium is a literal medium. Verse 7. Then Saul said to his servants, Seek out for me a woman who is a medium, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, Behold, there is a medium at Endor. If you're tripped up by the word medium, or if you're tripped up by the word necromancer, then you can substitute the word witch. I'm fine with you doing that. Put the word witch there. But I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that still that word's not going to help you because some of you are thinking about the witches in the Wizard of Oz. There's like a little debate in my family yesterday because I don't read Harry Potter or watch Harry Potter. I said, are, are there witches in Harry Potter? And there was like a debate upon that. I guess the conclusion was maybe there is. Don't, don't. I'm sure some of you can just go detailed. But anyway, don't think. Try to leave all that contemporary ideas behind. Can you do that? And you probably can't, but try. This medium, this witch, this is a woman who summons the dead. That's what's going on. She summons the dead. We'll get more on that in a moment. But here's the deal. Saul, he kicked out all the mediums. He kicked out all the necromancers. He kicked out all the witches in the land, which we saw in verse 3. And now we are told that he is going back to that he once rejected. God, you're not giving me the plan, so I'm going to return to that which I once rejected. It's almost like uh, returning to uh, an old pattern, old sin, returning to an old boyfriend, an old girlfriend you know is not good for you. It's, a, it's returning to that old immorality, that old form of manipulation, returning to alcohol, food, or drugs. It's getting back into the groove of your old sinful patterns, which just goes to show you that sometimes you can physically push out certain sins, but unless you dislodge them from your heart, then they will come back in. It just goes to show you that maybe your relationship was, with God wasn't all what you thought it was. Maybe it just shows you that you really didn't want God for God, that you were just there for the stuff or the plan or the fix or the re- resolution. And when you didn't get it, you went back to your old patterns of sin. My brothers and sisters, I would often say that your heart and what you truly love is revealed in what you do during times of suffering. We can all be sold out for the Lord when things are going good. But when we feel like God is not leading us and guiding us, when we feel like our life is kind of a mess, your heart really shows what's going on by the witches you return to. Verse 8. So Saul disguised himself and put on other garments and went, he and two men with him. And they came to the woman by night, and he said, Divine for me by a spirit, and bring out for me whomever I shall name to you. So Saul disguises himself, because he's the one that kicked all the witches out of the land, because 
he doesn't want her to recognize him. And he approaches the woman and he says, can you bring up from the dead any person I name? And she senses that this might be a government raid on witches. So she says in return in verse 9, this woman said to him, surely you know what Saul has done, how he has cut off the mediums and the necromancers from the land. Why then are you laying a trap for my life to bring about my death? They are asking her to practice something that could get her killed. But Saul reassures her in verse 10. But Saul swore to her by the Lord, As the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. Uh, You should be laughing right about now. Saul reassures her by saying, As the Lord lives. Are, Are you catching the irony here? Saul's like, Help me summon the dead, and I swear by the Lord, yet the same Lord that prohibits this kind of stuff, I swear by the Lord that no harm will come to you. He's totally deceived. But the woman goes ahead, verse 11. Then the woman said, Who shall I bring up for you? Like from the dead. And he said, Bring up Samuel for me. So when the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice, And the woman said to Saul, why have you deceived me? You are Saul. So the woman, she does whatever her things that witches do uh, and to bring up the dead. She brings up Samuel from the dead and somehow seeing Samuel tips her off to Saul's identity. She freaks out and she accuses Saul of deceiving her. Verse 13, the king said to her, do not be afraid. What do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I see a God or a spirit coming up out of the earth. He said to her, what is his appearance? And she said, an old man is coming up and he is wrapped in a robe. And Saul knew that it was Samuel and he bowed his face to the ground and paid homage. What? This is the Bible. What is going on? Some of you have never read this before. You're like, What is that? So I want to tell you this before we go any further. This story, it really happened. It did. It really happened. Samuel was really revealed before the woman, and Saul confirmed it. And I also want to go a little bit further and say, there may be instances where this has been done in the past. There may be instances where this is done today. And I want to tell you this. Whenever it has been done in the past or whenever it has been done today, and you may know people who do this, you may watch shows who do, I don't know. I would say that all of that, don't throw anything with me, but all that is demonic. All of it, evil. Demons are involved. I don't know how it works, but it's demonic. So if you're into that, you're into the demonic. It's evil. But at this instance right here, I believe it's not demonic. I believe it's not evil. I believe that God actually, in his providence, allowed this to happen, and God brought up Samuel in some way that I don't understand. But I think it may be similar to the Mount of Transfiguration. Do you remember who showed up with Jesus on the mountain? 
Yeah, it was Moses and Elijah who spoke with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. But what I'm hoping this story doesn't do to you, I don't want the how of the story from keeping you from missing the main point. And the main point of the story is the demise of King Saul. Look at verse 15. Then Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? Saul answered, I am in great distress, for the Philistines are warring against me, and God has turned away from me and answers me no more, either by prophets or by dreams. Therefore, I have summoned you to tell me what I shall do. Samuel's like, why are you bothering me? And Saul's explanation just shows how clueless he is. He's like, yeah, yeah, the Philistines are pressing in me, and God's not giving me the plan. So I thought, hey, it's a good idea for me to go to this witch and to summon you, Samuel, a dead man. Surely, Samuel, you can tell me what to do. That sounds like a great plan. Clueless. Verse 16. And Samuel said, why then do you ask me, since the Lord has turned from you and become your enemy? (laughs) Samuel's not even dissing on Saul for bringing up the dead. He's like, look, Let's think about the logic of your request. You want me to tell you what to do, but guess what? The Lord and I are on the same side. We're on the same side. And since the Lord is against you, I'm going to be of no use to you. Clueless. Samuel continues in verse 17. The Lord has done to you as he spoke by me, for the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor, David. Because you did not obey the voice of the Lord and did not carry out his fierce wrath against Amalek, therefore the Lord has done this thing to you this day. Moreover, the Lord will give Israel also with you into the hand of the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your sons shall be with me, as in dead. The Lord will give the army of Israel also into the hands of the Philistines. Isn't that great? So I was like, all right, Samuel, give me the plan. All right, here's the plan. You're going to die. You're going to lose. You're going to get wiped out. The guy you've been trying to kill, David, oh, he's going to come to the throne. But you and your sons, you're going to die. So you want the plan? There it is. I kind of wonder. Sometimes we come to God for the plan. Like, all right, God, give me the plan. God's like, you want the plan? Let me give you the plan. Like, no, I don't want that plan. Yeah, I'm going to tell you the real plan. Sometimes... I'm just going to be look direct, speak right into your heart. So sometimes you are talking to God about things he doesn't want to talk about. You're talking about your agenda. You're talking about your plan. And God's like, I don't want to talk about that at all. I want to talk about this. Happens all the time. For, for, for your parents, if any of your parents, you ever go to the Lord and go, Lord, we, 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 our kids are about to start school. We're praying, God, should we send them to public school? Should we send them to private school? Should we, should we homeschool? God, just show it. And God's like, I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about the way you're treating your kids. I want to talk about your attitude and your heart towards your kids. I don't want to talk about that. Let's talk about this. For those of you who are trying to figure out, you know, I'm just so tired, I'm worn out, I need, I'm, I need some rest, I need a vacation. God, just show, show me where I should go on vacation to get some rest. God's like, I don't want to talk about that. 
Let's talk about you not going to church. You go to church about once a month. If you're feeling good, you'll go twice a month. Let's talk about that. I don't want to talk about your vacation. And the classic one in our congregation is, 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 is a guy. He's like, oh, there's this girl. I'm really interested in her, and I wonder if I should date her. God, should I date that girl? God's like, I don't want to talk about that. Let's talk about your porn addiction. Let's talk about that. See, too many times I think we're coming to God and we're saying, what's the plan? God's like, you want the plan? I'll give you the plan. But all the stuff you're talking about, I don't want to talk about that. I have some things I want to tell you because I have an agenda to pose upon you rather than you opposing your agenda upon me. My brothers and sisters, if I could get you to be honest with God and to be open to what he might want to tell you rather than continue to bring your agenda and what you want before him, there is so much more that he wants to say to you. And you may just be wasting your time in prayer because God is not listening. Oh, he hears you, but he's not going to do anything because you are set on pushing your agenda when he wants to talk about something completely different. Well, look at the way it ends for Saul. It's terrible. (laughs) Verse 20. Then Saul fell at once full length on the ground, filled with fear because of the words of Samuel. And there was no strength in him, for he had eaten nothing all day and all night. And the woman came to Saul, and when she saw that he was terrified, she said to him, Behold, your servant has obeyed you. I have taken my life in my hand. I have listened to what you have said to me. Now, therefore, you also obey your servant. Let me set a morsel of bread before you and eat that you may have strength when you go on your way. He refused and said, I will not eat. But his servants, together with the woman, urged him, and he listened to their words. So he rose from the earth and sat on the bed. Now the woman had a fattened calf in the house, and she quickly killed it. And she took flour, kneaded it, and baked unleavened bread of it. And she put it before Saul and his servants, and they ate. Then they rose and went away that night. That would be Saul's, basically his last meal of sorts. He's going to go off to war, and he's going to die. And he dies as a man who is cut off from God. God completely cut him off because of his disobedience. Cut him off. And here's a great summary statement from, from uh, Saul's life on First Chronicles 10, 13 through 14. Look at this summary statement. So Saul died for his breach of faith. He broke faith with the Lord in that he did not keep the command of the Lord and also consulted a medium seeking guidance. He did not seek guidance from the Lord. Therefore, the Lord put him to death and turned the kingdom over to David, the son of Jesse. Saul did not seek guidance from the Lord. Well, he did, but he didn't seek it in a way where he's open and repentant. He had his agenda, so God cut him off. Isn't this such a great, encouraging Sunday morning sermon? Go talk about it over lunch. Nice, disturbing, devastating end to a life of a foolish, foolish man. Well, let me close with two thoughts. Two thoughts, I think, will kind of flip this around from being so disturbing and discouraging with a little bit of hope. The first thought is this. I realize that some of you really feel like God has forsaken you. I know you feel like he's not talking to you. I know you feel like he's not part of your life. You may feel like there's no direction and and things are not going well for you. And, And so before I give you the encouraging word, let me ask you this. 
what are your witches? What have you turned to because God hasn't come through? What, what are they? I mean, maybe it could be as simple as I'm just cutting yourself off from other people and you're binge-watching Netflix 12 hours a day. <laughs> it could be as simple or as silly as that, right? I mean, it can be as devastating as, well, I am full-born blown into immorality, where you're, maybe you're overeating, oversleeping, overworking, or maybe you've crashed into doubt and despair because you're just going to pout because God's not coming. I'm just wondering, what are your witches? I think it's pretty good idea to identify and say what your witch is. What are you turning to when God, you feel like he's silent? Here's what I want to encourage you. God's not going to cut you off. And you may wonder, well, how can I be so sure? He certainly cut off Saul. Well, I can give you confidence that God is not going to cut you off on one condition. God will not cut you off as long as you are putting your faith in the one who was cut off. Jesus Christ, cut off from the Father. He lived a perfect life, did not sin, and he was on the cross with the sin of humanity upon him, and he was cut off. Wrath poured out on him, forsaken, buried, rose again, accepted, reigning, And all of those who have turned to a variety of witches throughout our whole life, who put their faith in Jesus Christ, the one that was cut off in our place, we can be forgiven and never cut off from the Father. Through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. Which means, my brothers and sisters, that whatever you've turned to recently, whether it's been dabbling for a a week or a few days or seven years or 70 years, you can repent and put your faith in Jesus and you will not be cut off from the Father. And the second word I want to leave with you before I leave is this. Sincerely ask yourself the question, and I'm going to speak to those who are being baptized today, three of you, and I want the rest of you to hear this. And as you start your journey and your relationship with Jesus and it's fresh and you're new to the faith, keep asking heart questions. Are you coming to God to get the plan or are you coming to God to get God? Yes, God will give wisdom and insight, but check your motives. Are you in an agenda-driven relationship? Don't you hate when people have an agenda with you? Are you an agenda driven relationship with the Lord while you're pushing your agenda on him. And for the three of you who are being baptized today, let me encourage you that as you're baptized and everything is fresh and new, when you wake up tomorrow, spend some time with the Lord and say, Lord, I have no agenda. Speak to me through your word. Give me your agenda. 
Search me and know my heart. See if there are foolish things in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. God, I want to talk about what you want to talk about. What do you want to talk about, God? I see what your word says. Let's talk about some of this right here. That's you speaking. As the three of you are about to be baptized and you're walking in the fullness of who God is for you in Jesus, may you encourage us and may we reflect back on our own baptisms as we continue to come to God because we want God. And sometimes our plans will fall through and some things will not work out the way we want, but you know what? So what? We have a relationship with God that will last forever. Let's come to God because we want him. Let's come to him through Jesus Christ because we want him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that your son Jesus was cut off and bearing the wrath of, of, of the Father, of you, in our place so that through faith in him we will never be cut off. And may we truly repent right now of our agenda-driven relationship with you. May we repent of our witches that we've turned to. May we be specific about it, whether it be immorality or a fantasy land we go off into, if we're overeating, overdrinking, overworking, checking out, whatever we're doing, avoiding other people, avoiding fellowship, may we truly repent. May we not be those who will continue talking to you about things you do not want to talk about. May we be driven by your agenda, your relationship, and find hope in Jesus Christ. Lord, make us a responsive people not a people who hear the word and go away and not do it, but those who hear the word and obey it. Empower us, Lord. Continue to examine us and grow us in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.